Morning Shavua Top. Today's daf is daf Samach. Um, we'll start right from the end of the uh, Nun Tesem with Beis 59b. Um, the, it starts with a quote from the Brai say, Im hoyo makira. If he recognizes her. The Halacha, the Mishnah was discussing, um, well, the, yeah, the Mishnah was a change run up to here. A lot of what we've been discussing is the husband's responsibilities in the marriage regarding uh, Mazonos, etc. He has to provide for his wife's support, etc. Now we're switching to what the wife's responsibilities are. And one of the things it mentioned is to nurse the children. And then we went into a brace of what happens if a woman takes a neder that she will not nurse her children, can the husband force her to, etc. But comes along, so the Gemara said, uh, the brace has said that if the child recognizes, let's say they're getting divorced, so now the husband can't impose the authority of the home. That the wife, one of her responsibilities is to nurse the children. He can't force it anymore. Then he would have to find a way. Let's say she says for whatever reason she refuses to nurse the child. Interesting, because I think it's their child as far as I understand. But she refuses to nurse the child. Then it, she would have to find a, a nurse to look up to a wet nurse to nurse the child. The im, and then the Bryson mentioned, however, if the child recognizes the mother, either the child's not going to be happy to nurse from anyone else, then they can, obviously the husband has to pay the wife to, or his ex-wife to, but they could, Bayesian will force her to nurse the child. So the Moral's top of that summer, Ad Kama, how, until when, how, how long, what, what age does a child start to recognize its mother that it's not going to be happy to nurse from anyone else? So, Omar Rava, Omar of Yirmiya Bar Abba, Omar Rav, They said in the name of Rav, three months. Shmuel Omar, Shloishim Yom. Shmuel said 30 days. Rabbi Yitzchak, Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yitzchak said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Chamishim Yom, 50 days. So we have Rabbi who says 3 months, Shmuel who says 30 days, and Rabbi Yitzchak, and Rabbi Yochanan who says 50 days. Omar Rabbi Simi Bar Abba Halacha, Rabbi Yitzchak, Shomar Mishum Rabbi Yochanan. And Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Simi, the son of Abba, said the Halacha is like Rabbi Yitzchak, in, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. I eat 30 day, uh, 50 days. And now the Gomorrah just wants to analyze the Machloik. It says, Rabbi Yochanan and Rav makes sense. You're going by how smart the child is. Uh, a, a, a sharper kid will start to recognize his mother and be attached to her after 50 days. And, uh, and a, not a sharp kid will only after three months. Okay, and their discussion would be at what point should we be concerned that the mother is, uh, that the child recognizes by the, do you go by the, shot, the higher average or do you go by the lower percentile? But that's, that makes sense. Why are their numbers from El But according to Shmuel, do you ever found a child who's attached to its mother by 30 days? And Kiyos Rami Bar So, I mean, I'll tell you this: never ever tell a mother that you think her ch- even after one day that the child doesn't love her more than anyone else. Um, you'll run into serious trouble every. I, I'm not sure what they say nowadays, but uh, they speak about the importance of holding the child as it's born. I don't know. Is that just for comfort of the child, or because it knows its mother? Sometimes they say it's used to the mother's sounds and stuff from the womb, but. Here they seem to say it's take the Gemara takes for granted that the child won't know its mother, unless maybe it does know recognize its mother as where it gets food from. But within a, but if it's still within 30 days, it's not attached to the mother that it can change to another wet nurse. Okay, not something to think about. It says but so he said but so we were saying but according to Shmuel, 
It's difficult. Where, where's 30 days from? So it says, Rami bar Omar says, don't listen to the rules, the halacha. Rami bar came along and he says, don't listen. Whatever my brother Yehuda says, don't trust him what he says in the name of Shmuel. Shmuel actually said the following, you go after when the child recognizes its mother. This case came before Shmuel, exactly the same case. The husband and the wife were getting divorced and the wife was refusing to feed her children. And the husband said, no, she must nurse the child. Sorry, she must nurse the child. So they came before Shmuel and said, So he, Shmuel told her, go check her out. Go see if the child recognizes it. So how did Rav Dimi carry out his mission? He got a whole lot of women to sit in a row, a few women to sit in a row, and he would put the child on each of their laps. Ki when he reached the actual mother, the child started to look up into her face. When he put in the other woman, it was uh, indifferent. And then in the mother, it started to look up. So the mother turned away from the child. I mean, she didn't want to have to nurse this child. So she was trying to, you know, show that. So she turned away from him. So He said, no, lift up your eyes and go feed your son. He worked out. You could see that the child responded to who its mother was. And therefore, he said, you have to feed it. Oh, some of me know Yada. He says, How's it, how are we going to do this test if the child's blind? So he says, no, I'm a Ravashi By smell and taste. I, a child recognizes its mother, not by seeing, necessarily by seeing its mother, but by smelling its mother. So therefore, you could still do this test to determine again if the child, because once it reaches that age, it's going to be, I guess, traumatic for the child, and it might not even feed if you give the child to another woman. So therefore, you can force that woman to nurse the child. You can force her. Obviously, you'll have to pay her, but you can force her. Okay, next piece. Ton Rabbonin. Yoinek tinuk v'hoilech ad eshrim v'arba choydesh mikan v'hoilech ke yoinek sheretz divrei Rebbe Eliezer. Rebbe Eliezer says, you can nurse a child for 24 months, and from then onwards, it's like feeding him non-kosher. Sheketz is like the term for like... Uh, insects and sea creatures and stuff like that. So if you feed a child beyond 24 months, it's like feeding him shekets. No, you can even feed him for four or five years. If he separates after 24 months, I, even though Rabbi Yeshua says you can feed the child up to four or five years, if you stop feeding after 24 months and then you go back to nursing the child, that's like feeding him non-kosher. So that's the... Uh, and they both agree. Yeah, so interesting. The first opinion says you have up until 24 months. Feeding your child after that is is almost like feeding a non-kosher. Rabbi Yeshua's Mike Molini says, no, some children actually need to be nursed for longer. They need, I guess they need the nutrients, the strength. So you give them four or five years, I guess again, depending on the child. And uh, But if after 24 months you did stop feeding the child, you can't go back to nursing that child. Once he stopped, even though Rabbi Yeshua says you have up to four or five years, once he stopped, he stopped. You're telling me that nursing a child 
after, depending on the, the opinion, but after a certain age, is like feeding them non-kosher. He says, I'll show you a contradiction. And this is basically the source that uh, um, that uh, uh, breast milk is actually kosher. It says, You might have thought that the milk of a human, something that walks on two legs, is Tomei Vedinu, and it's actually logical. He says, If by a non-kosher animal you are lenient regarding touching it, an animal while alive cannot become Tomei. We know people are subject to Tuma, but animals are not, and a living animal can never become Tomei. So you are lenient about those laws. But you strict with its milk. Any milk from a non-kosher animal is not kosher. So a person who you strict with its becoming tomei, I a person can become tomei. You know, nida zava zav. They touch a corpse, etc. People become tomei. So you strict with that. You should definitely be strict with its milk. Now, personally, I don't really understand the comparison. The one's the laws of Tuma, and granted, we refer in the Torah whenever it's referring to non-kosher animal, it refers to them as behemotumeas, impure animals. But it's a different type of impurity to the impurity of touching, what we generally refer to as impurity and non-kosher. They're different. So just because we're strict in the one, why should we be strict in the other? I, like I can't, uh, I don't, I don't understand the question unless tumor is a lower degree of non-kosher and non-kosher is a higher degree that you can't even eat it. But I, I, I don't know the exact comparison. But either way, the Gomorrah, this price is taken for granted. We're lenient for animals saying they can't become tome, and nevertheless the milk is still non-kosher, tome. Well then by a person who is so strict and say that they can become tome, the milk should definitely be treated as non-kosher. So Talmud Lomar, Es HaGomal Kimala The camel which chews the cud. I.e., we are... Um, this is... It, it says twice about camel being kosher. Not that you can't eat a camel, it's not kosher. And the second time we say is to teach us that it's specifically a camel. Who Tomei Ve'en Chalam... Sorry, the, sec, the first possible by camel is to tell us that camels are non-kosher. The second possible by a camel is to tell us that the milk of a camel and obviously any other non-kosher animal is not kosher. And there it emphasizes in that possible who. It says, Who Tomei Ve'en Chalam Ha'al Tomei. It is Tomei and the milk of a... Of a something of a human, I had something that walks on two feet is not tomei. Ela tahor, it is tahor. Yochel oitzias achalav she'ainu shaver b'chol v'lo oitzias adam shehu shav b'chol. You might have thought that I should exclude the milk, which is not equal in all cases, but maybe dam should be excluded from the strasha because it is equal in all cases. What do you mean by equal in all cases? Only the milk of non-kosher animals is non-kosher, but the milk of kosher animals is kosher. So it doesn't apply in all places. We see it's lenient. Unlike dam, the blood of any animal is forbidden. So maybe by milk we can go lenient and say a human's milk is kosher, but by an animal we should be strict. Uh, sorry, but by the blood of a human we should be strict and say the blood is not kosher, says Talmud Lomar, who? No, again, the Torah limits it with the word who. Who tome The blood of a human is actually tohor. Um, 
Sorry, yeah. So, so okay, we, we'll come back to these points when we discuss the, the more closer to the halacha. But just interestingly, why does it refer to a person as a mahal cheshtayim? That's a weird name. Just call it an Adam, a Ish, a Isha. Why is it referring to it as a thing that walks on two legs? So I saw the Torah to Mima brings a fascinating uh, suggestion in another Midrash. He's explaining another Midrash. There, uh, there the explanation wouldn't fit in here unless here's just a borrowed term. But there he says, it's discussing whether you can eat human flesh, if I remember correctly. I say that humans are not kosher. And then he brings that there was this ancient tribal of the Avodah who were basically like animals. So you might have thought, so Mahal Cheshtayim, you wouldn't refer to them as people how they lived and how they behaved and stuff. And therefore, um, therefore it refers to them as Mahal Cheshtayim, uh, things that walk on two legs, not as people. Quite an interesting uh, midra, something to consider. That they, I mean, if we want to take it to the other extreme, we can say there's, hard, there's harsh musar here. You know, sometimes you get people and sometimes you get Mahal Cheshtayim, they're animals who walk on two legs. We have to make sure to rouse ourselves, uh, to elevate ourselves, and to make sure that we're people uh, worthy of uh, that title. And uh, I mean, I guess that is a responsibility. We have to serve Hashem, and we have to make uh, wise decisions, and we have to think before we act. But there's uh, on the we can go to that. some people. Sadly, are very close to uh, hard to say this, but you you see it. You see some people the way they behave. And how they think and stuff are very close to animals. Okay. Tomei ele stein, Tomei ele toho. Okay. Now for Omar Abshay says, I feel mitzvah's prisha einbo. says, regarding the breast milk, there's not even a mitzvah to separate from it. Rashi explains, there's not even a mitzvah midrabbonon to say that it's awesome. So again, so we said higher up on the page that to feed a child after a certain age is like feeding him non-kosher. But we just brought this brysa and Rav Sheish has explained it, that there is no isur in breast milk at all. It's 100% kosher. It's mahadran. So why? What, what do you mean? This is no lokasha, hoda parish, hoda la parish. It's not difficult. Here is where it is separated. And here is where it has not separated. Aye. Where the milk, where the person is nursing from the mother, that could be kiyoyne shekets. That would be a isudrabonin, that is like non-kosher. Okay, we give a leniency up until a certain age. The child is allowed to nurse from its mother. From then onwards, anyone else who would nurse straight from a woman would be similar to non-kosher. Hodel, that's if it's not separated. But if it has separated, then it's fine. So, I mean, it's, it's not something we would think of doing. But strictly speaking, if you have a glass of breast milk, it's 100% kosher. That's the, that's the, seems to be the bottom line. Interesting. Um, yeah, so... So, so I'm, not, I'm not clear why. Why do we make this distinction that whether it's separated or not separated? The one suggestion I saw, I think it's from the Rosh, is that um, when it's separated, people might get confused and say, oh, look, you have a, let's keep it to a young child. You have a young child, uh, a, uh, a child of uh, seven nursing from his mother. Clearly, the milk from creatures you can't eat is not a problem. You might get confused. Oh, well, you can't eat a person and he's nursing from his mother, so maybe you can nurse from other animals. Maybe you can have the milk of non-kosher animals, whereas when the milk is separated in a glass, you can't tell the difference. 
So that, that was a suggestion, but I'm not sure, yeah, why should there be this xayra that, uh, against a child nursing from his mother? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, the chilufa bedam. Blood is the other way around. Again, remember in the price we mentioned that blood is also, human blood is also kosher. But it's the opposite way around. I, by milk, if it's still attached to the mother, then it's osir. If it's separate, it's in a glass, then it's fine. And dam is the other way around. says if there's blood on a loaf of bread, you scrape it off and you can eat it. I, let's say someone takes a bite into a piece of challah and they see that their gums are bleeding and now there's blood on the challah. So you cut off the blood, you can't eat it. And then you can eat the rest of the piece. says, But if it's still in his teeth, you can suck it and you don't have to worry. So if your gums are bleeding, you don't have to worry about spitting out the blood. It is kosher. So now we have to look and say, so what's the difference? Why about blood, if it's separated, is it a problem? So Rashi over here says, because it looks like you're eating blood. And blood in most cases of any animal is also. So you don't want to have people seeing that they're eating blood. But again, if it's in the mouth, you can't see. It's an interesting thing. The language Rashi uses is see. You don't want people to see. Now, um, which implies that it's because of Mari's eye. We're going to come into this principle again a bit lower down the page. So that's why I want to mention it here. There's a principle. If There's certain things we're not allowed to do because people will think what you're doing is also. It looks like what you're doing is also. So, for example, I mean, Tosses bring this on another case further down the page, but if you, your clothes get wet, or you have wet clothes, so you hang them up on Shabbos, hang them on the line, you're not allowed to do that because it looks like you did washing on Shabbos. You know it was because the child, I don't know, dropped them in the bath, or you didn't get time to hang them up on Ere Shabbos, whatever the reason was, and you didn't do But you're not allowed to do something that looks like you're doing an Isur. And therefore, you would not be allowed to have blood eat uh, human blood because it looks like you're eating blood of an animal. Um, that's what it sounds like. Right there. And one, so two interesting points on that. One is, we generally have a principle. Anything that is also because of Maris Ayan, because it looks like you're doing something wrong, is that filu b'chadrei chadorim is also. Even in private is also. No matter how, so why all of a sudden if it's in your mouth, is it okay? You wouldn't be allowed to hang up washing in your bedroom in the, in the, you know, in a room in a room, in the most secret place. So I saw Rav Alfano uh, Vassaman in Koibet Shurin. He says the distinction is, in a bedroom, no matter how private it is, there is a possibility that other people will be there. Are you marked, a friend marked, pop by or something like that. But in your mouth, it's impossible that anyone will ever look or see there. So that's why... He says it's not a problem necessarily in your mouth. Another interesting ramification is what about if you have like blood on your finger or something? You know, people often suck when they got, they got that. So according to Rashi, it seems like it could be a problem because it looks like you're having blood. Unless, I, I was thinking, someone who brings Tosos elsewhere say the reason is, uh, uh, what was it? Yeah. Tosos elsewhere, maybe from Rashi you could also say this, it's just they're not as keen to say it in Rashi, but Tosos elsewhere say when it's a human, when it's your, his gums are bleeding, or maybe your finger's bleeding or something, it's clear it's from a human. Right? So you don't have the concern of thinking it's from an animal. If you have a little, I don't know, bread with blood on, or you have a glass of blood, a, a person might not realize, oh, that's human blood and think that it's animal blood. But where it's literally coming from a wound, there's no mistaking it. Okay, that would all be the din of whether blood is kosher or not kosher. 
Um, it is, it seems very clearly from here, it is kosher. You could, if your teeth are bleeding, you don't have to worry about spitting. Your gums are bleeding, you don't have to worry about spitting it out. Might even be able to suck the blood off a wound. Um, but then there's another question is, it just seems very repulsive. That's something else to consider. Even something that would be acceptable, if it's repulsive, then it could be forbidden either because we're not supposed to be repulsive or because you're not supposed to make other people feel repulsed. But uh, that would not be... Technically, blood is kosher, and technically, these are the scenarios where you could have blood or could not have blood. Is it only non-kosher to you? Uh, is it only kosher to you? Uh, like, if you cut your finger and you're making a salad or something, <laughs> there's uh, blood in a salad, you're feeding it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying, from a technical point, it seems, I guess, if you, like, rinse the salad and you can't see the blood, then it would be fine. It doesn't, like, I mean, we don't see a distinction between whose blood it is or whose milk it is. No. We don't see that distinction. I mean, from the other hand, from diseases and those things, I'd be more careful. And uh, also, as I said, just what's considered repulsive to people is no. also, we also have to be sensitive to even even things that are kosher, like uh, they discuss, you'll sort of discuss swallowing fish whole. There's mm. nothing, uh, technically, if it's a kosher fish, fish don't need shkita, mm. so you can swallow it whole and it's fine. Sport, but that's disgusting. Yeah. So you're not allowed to do things like that. So in, I mean, in my mind, eating blood would be along those lines, yeah. and except in the scenarios where like someone's got blood on their teeth or sucking their finger. But in all other cases, I think it might fall into the category of being uh, falling into that. Um, what's it called? Bal. Might be called Baltashaktu, but it's brought as a issue. You're not allowed to do things that are repulsive. Okay, let's go. Now we're going to discuss other halachas. Um, seems not in line like this. The one connection that's brought is it's all Rav Yosef tells us the halacha. But let's see the other halacha. This is Omar, my Rabbi Yoshua, Oimem. Mar said that. Rabbi Yoshua said, I feel, oh, sorry, we're still back in our previous discussions. Rabbi Yeshua says, I feel Arba Shonim. Rabbi Yeshua says you can nurse a child even for four, 20, four or five years. Even if he's walking around with the, I thought this meant his backpack on his back, like a child's old enough to carry his own stuff. That's a, you see nursery school, you see the parents walk in with their children carrying their children's bags. When they're old enough to carry their own bags, says you can still feed them. Or you could say Chavilosov also has more connotations or maybe even putting the child to work. <laughs> um, you know, in those days, the uh, children had to guard and work from a young age. As we saw this only as we saw early on in the sector, a father only has a responsibility to look after his child up until six. So by four or five, he's got to start training him as a porter. Uh, maybe that's what Chavilos is. But, uh, but either way, we're speaking about a child who can carry his own, his own bags and stuff. So not four, it sounds like much older than four or five, doesn't it? So there's no, iribiri, chachiru, who actually it's the same amount, and Omar Rabbi Yosef, halacha, Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yosef says that halacha is like Rabbi Yoshua. That really you can nurse a child up to four or five. Tanya, Rabbi Marainus, Oimer, Goneach, Yoyne, Chalav, Beshabbos. If someone has this disease that's making them Goneach, they're allowed to nurse milk on Shabbos. Now Rashi explains they're nursing straight from the goat. I sucking the milk straight from the goat. My timer. Why is he allowed to suck the milk straight from the goat? Now the problem is, um, it's mefarek. Mefarek is one of the thirty-nine malachos um, told of dash, separating the food from its source. I just says you're not allowed to take a grain out of its kernel. Threshing, so to taking the milk out of the udder 
is also, or out of the breast, is also threshing. So, yoinek mefarek kalachayad with a mokum tzara No, nursing directly from the animal is like mefarek in the unusual manner, mefarek in the unusual manner, and in that case, the rabbis didn't make such a gzaira. Um, so that's what, that's how they learn this. I was I was quite surprised. I mean, it doesn't mention maybe we need to see the context or whatever. It doesn't mention Shabbos at all, but it's definitely um, it's definitely everyone learns it as referring to the halachas of Shabbos. Again, someone's sick on Shabbos, they've got this gonach. It's making them groan, making them short of breath, whatever it is exactly, and they need to um, have goat's milk so they can suckle directly from the goat because that's the unusual way of doing it. To get a glass of goat's milk and drink to to milk the goat into a glass and drink it, that would be the normal way, which would be Isidor on Shabbos, and you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Um, interesting now, but uh, this, this halach has a lot of practical ramifications about a woman who's nursing and needs to pump. We have this with Azriel David. When he was in the NICU, so for the first good few days, we weren't even allowed to hold him. So... You had to, uh, Dina, um, had to pump and then they put it in a bottle and they give it to a, yeah. a baby. Um, and so that's one thing. And then even for Shabbos, it gets, so, so firstly, could you do that on Shabbos to give the baby milk? And yeah, other scenarios where the m- woman needs to n- uh, pump on Shabbos, um, there's generally two reasons. Either because of their pain, if they don't, if the child's not nursing and they have milk and they don't, uh, express it, express it. It gets very, very painful for them, um, or because the child needs the milk. So are they allowed to nurse on Shabbos? Uh, or sorry, express milk pump on Shabbos. The it was interesting enough. It was also very recently. I was reading in America. It became a huge issue because they had a huge shortage of formula. So it became that much more essential for women to not waste any breast milk. So again, they were asking questions, what about on Shabbos? So firstly, if the child doesn't need the milk, but it's for the huge pain of the mother, and obviously you try to do it in an unusual way, one would be to put, they say, like put soap in the bottom of the bottle, so as the milk goes out, it's ruined. And that's not the normal way of expressing milk. Expressing milk is so that it can be drunk. So if you do it in a way that it gets ruined straight away, that wouldn't be a problem. Where the child needs the milk, especially when it's a very young child, we say that that's the child's source of nutrition and you would be allowed to do it. And then there's a discussion. I mean, interesting enough, it might actually be better to use an electric pump because that's more indirect. The pump does the pumping. Whereas if it's a manual pump, even though you're not using electricity, it's the mother or the other person doing the pumping, actively taking it out, so that's more problematic. Um, just interesting halachas too that are actually very practical and quite relevant um, about expressing milk on Shabbos. Omar Rav Yosef halacha karebi Merenus and Rav Yosef said that halacha is like Rebbe Merenus that you allow to that he's allowed to suckle in the case the Gemara was discussing he's allowed to suckle directly from the goat. Tanya Nachumish oh interesting enough also to be aware that we do have the general rule you're not allowed to do anything mishum refuah on Shabbos. So how does that fit in with you? So maybe one is once it's an unusual thing, it's not fine. But also we generally say there's very simply, again, they're quite complicated, but very simply there are three levels of refuah, of sickness. Um, 
highest level is obviously if it's dangerous, then you do whatever needs and even isolate or isa and drive a person to the hospital. You can operate on them, you cut things to operate, you know, whatever you need to do if they're in danger, um, even isolate or isa. Um, on the other extreme would be someone who's just like a little bit ill. I got a little bit of a headache, got a little bit of a sore throat, scratchy throat. You know, those sort of things, their fingers, they sprain their finger. So there you would not be allowed to do Dvarim Mishum and that's the Xayra of when you're not allowed to do things. The middle category is someone whose like whole body is sick, like they got bad flu, or, you know, their whole body's sick, or they've got a bad, bad migraine that makes their health totally debilitated. Um, either they would lie down because of how sick they are, they normally wouldn't, like, they might push through, but they feel like they're really pushing through to get through without having to go lie down, then any, any Isurei Drabono become permitted. And that's what we're doing, dealing with here. Okay, let's carry on. Tananachum Ishgalia Oimer. Nachum Ishgalia taught. Again, another halacha with Shabbos. What happens if you have a gutter that the straw's blocking? So now the water is starting to overflow into your house or whatever because the gutter is not working properly because it's blocked. Now, to fix it, to remove the straw is Makebapachish. It's fixing the, it's making the kli work. So that could be a Isudoraisa. So what does it say? It says, You press them down with your foot. I think that's the unusual way to do it. In private, and you don't have to worry. My timer, what's the reason? It's fixing it in the unusual way. I imagine the normal way to fix a gut is to take out the junk, not to compress it that the water can flow over it. Or maybe it's because you're using your foot and not your hand. Maybe there's the double uh, double yad, but you're doing it in an unusual way. And where you'll suffer a financial loss, the rabbis don't make their decree. Now the important leniency, certainly Surah Drabonan, fall away when it's a, when there's gonna when someone's gonna suffer a financial loss. Now here we have the same issue that I mentioned up above Maris Ayn. It says, What's the reason? It says you can do this in private. I, you, you notice that the water is flowing, your gut is not working properly, and you know when it overflows, it's going to cause damage in your property. So, um, so you're allowed to push it down with your foot in private. It says, but don't we say anything that you're not allowed to do because other people will, when other people might see you, as we mentioned earlier, you're not even allowed to do bechadre chadori. You're not even allowed to do in the most private room you have. Same rule that. We're always, once something's forbidden because people might see you and think you're doing an isur, it's forbidden anywhere and everywhere, no matter how private. So all of a sudden it's a mutar. So here it tells us, so this is where Tosos brings, he says, nah, he brings a very, very important principle. I don't know if everyone agrees to this Tosos, but here he says, this that we say, Maris Ayin, is also even in the most, innermost chambers, I, even in the most secret place, is where they will think or learn from you to do an isur to oraisa. But where it's only an Isudra Bonon, then you can do it in private. You can't do it in the open, but you can do it in private in certain scenarios. So here, again, as we said, when the guy's squashing down the straw to make the water flow properly, that's Isudra Bonon. That's Kalaacharyad. It's the unusual way of doing it. So as long as he's in private, he can do it. But in public, he can't. Or, again, don't we say that it's completely Asur? No. People are only going to see him do an Isudra Bonon, which means... You don't have to worry about the Chadre Chadorim factor. So that's a, that's a very interesting uh, distinction. And Omar Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, Halacha ke Nachum Ishgalia. The Halacha is like Nachum Ishgalia.
Okay, then we move on. Oh, now we're going back to the point we said. Piresh la'acha eshem ve'abachodesh chayzeh yainik shekets. Even Rabbi Yoshua said that the child can nurse for four or five years. He said if he separates after four or five or after 24 months, he's not allowed to go back to nursing from the mother. That would be like feeding the child non-kosher. Says but kama, how long? Like how many? How long if a child stops nursing is he considered stop nursing? What he misses a feed? Does that mean he stopped? Nursing says no. Omar Rav Yehuda Bar Chaviva, Paimid Shmuel Rav Yehuda Bar Chaviva said before Shmuel Shloisha Yomim, just three days. If the child doesn't nurse from his mother for three days, he's over two years old and he doesn't nurse from his mother for three days, he's not allowed to go back and nurse from the mother. Okay, back to our discussion. Tonu Rabbanon Meinikei Shemais Baal Betoch Esrim. We know the the general halacha that we we actually saw this more in uh, Yavamos, and this is, seems to be where it's primarily from. Um, is remember a woman's not allowed to get married while nursing a child. There were two aspects. One, she's not allowed to get married. We'll see. One is she's not allowed to get married within three months of her of her previous husband because we worried she might be pregnant and then you can't do anything. And another one is she's not allowed to um, get married within 24 months of nursing the child because we worried that if she becomes pregnant, the milk will dry up or lose its uh, nutritional value and then the child's going to suffer. Um, so, Ton Rabbonin Meineke Shemais If you have a woman who's nursing and her husband dies within 24 months, She's not allowed to do a Rusin or Nisuyin at Esrim Ba'abachoydesh until 24 months according to Rabbi Meir. The Rabbi Yehuda Matir Bishmona also Chodesh Rabbi Yehuda says it's fine from 18 months. What would we... Yeah, we're going to extend this to other people. But what would be the rationale? Because this up until 20, either, how long is it essential for this child to be nursing for? Is it essential that he's nursing for 24 months? And therefore anything that would stop her nursing sooner than that would be a problem? Or is it just 18 months? Every man holds 24 months and Rebuda says 18 months. Interesting, Rashi says, when the woman's married to her husband, either father of the child, he brings it from the Gomorrah, I think it's, I think it's in Yavamash, but when, when the mother's still married to the child of the father, we don't have this concern. If she, if she, we, don't, we don't mind if she falls pregnant sooner than 24 months. There's no issue against that. The reason is because we say if something happens to the milk supply, the father will make sure the child gets his formula, gets his, uh, whatever that he discusses, his egg and whatever he needs, his egg and milk, his alternative Nutrition, but if it's not his father, either this woman was pregnant nursing this child, and then she now remarried another man. He doesn't care about the child, so he's going to say, "I don't want to expect, I don't want to spend uh, the few hundred rand for a small tub of formula every day or whatever it is." It's, um, so, so therefore, where it's that's why our concern specifically is with another father. So therefore, within 24 months or 18 months, she's not allowed to get remarried. Rabbi Nosson or your Rabbi Yonasan ben Yosef. Sorry, I left the word out. Ah, this lines up with the Makhloik. Because 
according to both opinions. According to the opinion, I Rebbe Meir and Bey Shammai, who say 24 months, she can actually get remarried after 21 months. And the Divra Oymesh Bush, Moina Osor Chodesh, and according to the opinions that say 18 months, Muteris and Osor Chodesh, Osor Chodesh, I say that she can get remarried with within within 15 months. Why? The Fisha Aina Chalav Nichar, El Achar Shloisha Chadoshim, because the milk does not uh, turn bad within three months of falling pregnant. I, even if the woman would fall pregnant straight away, it would take three months, I guess, before the hormones, the pregnancy hormones, will affect her milk supply. So, if let's say you say the child needs to nurse for 24 months, as long as she gets remarried, she can get remarried at uh, 21 months. Because even if she falls pregnant straight away, and the child, and then her milk supply gets ruined, that'll only happen in three months, when the child is already 24 months. And so too with the 15 to 18. Sorry, Ula said that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, 18 months. And Marukva said that Rabbi Hanina permitted me to get remarried after to a nursing woman after 15 months. Right, so it seems we go like Ramon Gamil in the Lenin Japan. It says, I read the Baye. It's interesting. The farm helper, the tenant of Abaye, came to Abaye to ask him this question. says, Can I marry a woman who's been nursing for only 15 months? So Abaye said to him, Firstly, when we have a Makroikis Rebbe man Rebbe the principle is we pass in like Rebbe Vod. Secondly, another principle we have is when you have a machloke as beishama and beishilal, the halacha is like beishilal. Vomar ula halacha kriviura, and further ula told us that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. And vomar maruk for the hinti Rabbi Chanina lo says leichad laachir chamisha also chodesh. And maruk for said that Rabbi Chanina permitted him to get married after 15, 15 months. Ai. You, we have all these reasons to Paskin like the lenient opinion that it's 80, that a woman can get remarried within 18 months, not have to wait for 24, not in that, maybe even 15. It says, Kol came the Atla Ores. How much more so because you just want to do a Rusin. Again, remember, a Rusin is only, there are two stages of marriage. A Rusin, she's not going to fall pregnant from doing a Rusin. She's going to wear a ring on her finger, and a few months later, up to, as we saw earlier, 12 months later, she'll do get. Uh, She'll get, uh, she'll do Nisuyin and she might fall pregnant. So, Erusin anyway is just a precaution because if you allow her to do Erusin, she might go through and do Nisuyin. So, he says, Your plan, we have all these reasons to go linear, plus you only planning on doing Erusin, it's definitely fine. Like he also came to Rav Yosef when Abaya came before Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was his Rebbe. And they're obviously discussing, you know, what when, like he was discussing with Abaya, this is what interesting, you know, you often meet uh, rabbis and they discuss what interesting questions did you have recently. So, Abaya mentioned this question of, the Oris, well, his Oris, his tenant asking him about doing a Rusin to this woman within 15, within 18 months of her nursing, well, while nursing. So, when he came before Rav Yosef, he came before Rav and Shmuel, he told, sorry, he told him that both Rav and Shmuel said, he says, you have to wait 24 months beside for the day of birth and the day that of marriage. I said it has to be 24 months and two days before you're actually allowed to remarry. 
So Rohat Vashraya Bai ran after his tenant. He wanted to try to catch him to tell him, Oh, yeah, Paskin wrong. Paskin, like the lenient opinions that you can get remarried after 18 months, you should actually have to go till 24 months. She shouldn't, she shouldn't remarry within 24 months. So he says, Plasa So they say, some say he ran. Plasa Parse, three. Parse, Omri law. Parse, Bechala, some said he ran three. A whole Parse in sand. Velo Adrecha, he didn't manage to catch him. Now, Omar Abai, a home to Omar Abai, and he says, Abai says, oh, this that the rabbis say. A person shouldn't even permit egg with kutach. Kutach is like a milk dish. Now, is there any halachic question to eat egg, which is parak, with the milk dish? Not such an obvious question. Abai is saying, you shouldn't even ask him such an obvious question where you're, when your rabbis around. Why? No mission to mercy ka'af. Kirusa, not because it could be chutzpidik. It's only chutzpidik if your rabbi doesn't want you to. But if your rabbi said, go ahead, I don't mind you paskening, that's what we say largely, smichis nowadays, it's the Rosh Hashivah, the rabbi saying, we trust, we're letting you pasken, even though we're your rabbi and you're still alive. Another one is saying, we trust your decisions. But it says, lo mishum. So it's, so by saying, it's not a, necessarily a problem of, of being chutzpidik. It says, milsi, you will not have success. I, the main redoha, anahu, gemirta, Says I knew this teaching of Rav Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel, and still I didn't have success in my psak. It seems there's some spiritual mechanism about speaking about that a Rav won't have success. He won't have the siyata dishmaya to issue the right psak, even if he knows all the right information, and even if it's an obvious question, he won't have the success of coming out with the right psak if his rabbi's around. That's what Tosa say. Um, yeah, so obviously if the Rebbe is not keen for... Again, one of, out of Kovach you're not allowed to paskin before your Rav. But even if the Rav is okay with you paskining, Abai is saying still it's a bad idea. I haven't seen... Um, it's, it's a bad idea. You won't... You, you will, you're likely to mess up in the Psak. Abai says I had all the information at, at my fingertips, firstly, and I still messed up. Um, interesting, hard to... Uh, I mean, I haven't seen people careful for this teaching of a buyer. I mean, all the time a, a Rav gives his Talmudim smicha and they go around paskening without concern. But uh, that's just, um, yeah, that would be a sad point. Um, why do we paskin like Rabbi Meir? So remember, we saw this the other day, and we'll see it further down the page. But remember, when Rabbi Meir has a rabbinic stringency, we always follow him. So generally, you're right, generally Lalocha is like Rabbi Yehuda, etc., over Rabbi Meir, etc. But where there's a Xayra Darabonim that Rabbi Meir scribes to, we go strict like Rabbi Meir. We'll see that a bit further. If a woman gave her child to a wet nurse to look after, or she weaned it, or the child died, she's allowed to get remarried immediately again because there's no concern about her milk drying up this is not relevant in these scenarios so Rav Pop and Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua we're going to paskin like this either we're going to a woman sadly her child died so she doesn't need the milk anymore or she weaned her child after 18 months so does she still have to wait since Omrulah he savta pididi have uvdeva osali Rav Nachman? This old lady said, "Well, I had the same question, and Rav Nachman forbade me. I, even though I wasn't nursing anymore, he still said I'm not allowed to get remarried until 24 months. 
have passed. Why? Any Vahara Nachman Charilhu the Bay Raish Galusa. But wait, didn't Raish Galusa allow it? And there were cases when the Raish Galusa would give their children to wet nurses to nurse so that the mother didn't have to. The Raish Galusa was like the, the head of the Jews in Babel, so the political head of the Jews. So a, as we're going to see, they were a powerful, um, wealthy family. Um, so they would give their children to a wet nurse to look after, and Ranachman allowed those mothers to get where the case came up, to get remarried within 24 months. She so says, no, shiny bay reish galusa to la No, the reish galusa are different because the wet nurse will not pull out of their contract. They'd be too scared of the reish galusa. Most times, so you're going to find a nurse for your child. And then what's going to happen? Two months later, she's going to have a better job, or she's going to get uh, deported to another country. You never know. What's, uh, like she's going to she's going to find an excuse to not nurse herself. So therefore, they said you're not allowed to. But by the Reish Kalusa, there wasn't such a concern. Um, now, Rav Poppy is going to come along and express his answer. Rav Papa and Rav Huda were going to rule that a woman, if the re- if she stopped nursing, she can get remarried immediately. That's how Rav Poppy and Rav Huna were going to rule. That a woman who stopped nursing, even though it's within 24 months, um, they were going to rule that she can get remarried me Iyad, except this old lady told them that they don't, that they shouldn't. That Rav Nachman didn't allow it. And now Rav Poppy is going to say, why did they have to wait for this wet, this, this woman to tell them that she wasn't allowed to. They should have worked it out from another Mishnah. That's what you're going to say. And this other Mishnah is, um, yeah, so, 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 so let me just express that a bit clearer. Rav Pop and Rav Huda came along and they went through Paskin that a woman who's not nursing anymore, even if it's within 24 months, can get remarried immediately. That's old lady came and told them, no, Rav Nachman said you're not allowed to, so they retracted. Rav Poppy says, how could they got mixed up? They should have known the following Mishnah. Let's see, Omalu Rav Poppy Asa, Loi Tizburu, Mahodatanya, would you not worked it out from the following Brisa? There's If the woman was often in her father's house, or there was anger in her home. Or her husband was in prison. Or her husband was overseas. Or her husband was old or sick, or she was barren or elderly, or an islandist or a minor. Or she miscarried after the death of her husband. Or a woman who could not give birth. And we know the general halacha, we mentioned this at the beginning, uh, much earlier, that a woman is not allowed to get remarried within three months because you want to make sure who the father is. So what about all these cases where it's impossible that the woman's pregnant from her husband? He's sick, she's sick, she's, uh, he's overseas, he's in jail, um, she's a woman who can't have children. Whatever the, the story is, it's a woman who's impossible to have children. Could she get remarried within three months? Rabbi Meir says no. Rabbi Yossi, Mati, Loris, Bilinos, Rabbi Yossi says she can. Rabbi Nachman says in the name of Shmuel, the halacha is like Rabbi Meir with his Zairas. I will follow Rabbi Meir. But what are we saying? We see Rabbi Meir says, we make no... Once the rabbis have made a rule that a woman can't get remarried within three months, even though they gave the reason because we want to discern which, whether the child is from a first husband or a second husband, so we wait three months, even, the rabbis say that as a blanket rule, even in a case where she could not be pregnant. 
So that's the Rebbe Meir makes notices. So we should say the same thing. A woman within 24 months, a woman's not allowed to get remarried if her child is 24 months. We should say it makes no difference whether she stopped nursing or not. It's a blanket rule, Chazal make. He says, Oh, Malay, Lavadata. And they says, Oh, you're right, we didn't think of that. The Hilchas Amaze Mutter Gemalto Osir. And the halacha is if the child dies, it's permitted. But if the child is weaned, then it's Osir. Why? Because if the child dies, there's no, the woman won't end up doing anything wrong. But if she might, if she wants to get remarried, she might wean the child earlier than is healthy for the child. Ravashi says, well, if that's the case, it's even if the child dies, we're not going to let the mother remarry within 24 months because she might actually go and kill the child to get remarried. There was a case where a woman strangled it. Says Belohi, you don't have to worry about this. He says that that woman was crazy. It's not normal for a woman to kill her children. You don't have to worry that a woman's going to kill her child to remarry. It's not. It's not going to happen. Um, and that's why. So therefore, only again, if the child dies, we would allow a woman to get remarried straight away. But if the child was weaned, we wouldn't, because a woman might wean her child earlier to. Um, to get off, um, we a child earlier. Yeah, to get remarried sooner. Okay, Tonra Bonan. Haration also lo ben leinak. Harezu lo tinak imo lo benovel lo ben chavera. If a woman was given a child to nurse, right, that became her responsibility. She's not allowed to nurse her own child or her friend's child, another child. It says poska kamir ocheres harba. What happens if they gave, they go only give her a little bit of food? Uh, that was a set agreement. We'll pro- uh, provide you X amount of food a day. But it's too little and she needs to eat a lot of food. She's not allowed to eat things that are harmful to the milk. She's only allowed to eat healthy food that, or food that won't affect the milk value. He says, now the Gemara is just going to analyze. He says, once the Brizer tells us that if she's, nursing, if she's taken on to nurse another child and she's being paid to nurse the other child, she's not allowed to nurse her own child. Obviously, she's not allowed to... A nurse her friend's child. He says, No, you might have thought her own child, she'll express more milk for her own child. Whereas her friend's child, if there's extra, then she'll give it to the friend's child. So, even, so, so we're more worried about her with her own child. And therefore, maybe you'd permit her to give the extra milk to the French child. No, you're not allowed to. Now, just the second time, who has to provide this extra? We said this woman needs to eat. She's only given a certain amount of food, and she needs to eat a lot of food. Who has to provide that food? She has to provide it from her own budget. Because, again, the agreement was we'll provide you with X amount of food a day. She needs to eat much more than that. Either she should have been more careful when signing the contract, but at the end of the day, it's on her responsibility, and not only that, she's not allowed to eat food that would affect it negatively. It says, We said she's not allowed to eat food that's bad for the milk. What are they? It says, For example, hops, chazis, I think chazis is unripe grain, um, small fish and earth. They used to eat earth as certain cures. She's not allowed if she's nursing another child. Abaya Omar, Afilu Kora, Vachabusha, even uh, gourds and quintas, Rapapa Omar, Afilu Kora, and Bnei Nichvi, uh, sorry, Afilu Kora, Vakufra, even Kora and Kufra, Rabashi Omar, Afilu Kimcha, Vaharsana, 
Minayhu poski chava, minayhu ochri chava. Some of the above list cause the milk to stop, and some of the above list cause the milk to turn bad. Okay, I was hoping to get a little bit further, but I think let's leave it here for today.